0: Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chattuck. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle-Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen and Michael Trout conclude their two-part discussion on his video, Breaking Pieces. All of Michael Trout's videos and books are available at the TKC store at a 20% discount on all Michael Trout materials when you type Trout20 at checkout. That's T-R-O-U-T and the number 20.
1: This is Karen Buckwalter and I am delighted to be having Michael Trout coming back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast for another series. This series will actually be about a variety of resources that he has. So I would like to share a bit about his background. Michael has degrees in both philosophy and psychology, and he was uh, trained with Selma Freiberg in infant psychiatry as part of the child development project of the University of Michigan Department of Psychiatry. He's been in the infant mental health field since 1968 and in private practice since 1979, Since 1986, he has directed the Infant Parent Institute, which is an institute engaged in research, clinical practice, and clinical training related to problems of attachment. He was the founding president of both the Michigan and the International Associations of Infant Mental Health, was on the charter editorial board of the Infant Mental Health Journal, served as regional vice president for the United States for the World Association of Infant Mental Health, and served on the board of directors and as editor of the newsletter of the the Association for Pre- and Perinatal Psychology and Health. In 1984, Michael won the Selma Freiberg Award for significant contributions to needs of infants and their families. In addition to publishing a number of book chapters and journal articles, Michael Trout has produced 16 clinical training videos that are used by universities and clinics around the world, including a six-hour video training series called The Awakening and Growth of the Human, Studies in Infant Mental Health. He has also written and produced five videos focusing on the unique perspective of babies on divorce, adoption, loss, domestic violence, and parental incarceration. And in fact, these videos are going to be the focus of the first part of this new series I'm doing with Michael Trout. He comes to us with a wealth of wisdom and experience, and Michael has become a good friend of mine as well as such a respected colleague and mentor. He's one of the most influential people in my professional life by far, and I'm just delighted to be opening a new series with him today. So here we go.
0: Hi, this is Debbie Reed, and the book that Karen Buckwalter, myself, along with Wendy Lyons Sunshine, recently released, Raising the Challenging Child, is now available for purchase. I hope you'll visit the website, RaisingTheChallengingChild.com, to purchase the book. Thanks so much
1: so let's move along um there's a few other lines that and we are going to play for listeners but at the moment i'd like to pause and have you read them
2: well in trying to answer the the question or at least address the question what's the child doing while the parents are doing what they're doing among the several points i try to make is that one of the things the child does is figure out how to survive what do you need to do to make it through this? And of course, he doesn't figure that out cognitively, for goodness sakes. He is, he is a wonderful, sophisticated things, but he's also just an organism whom evolution is set up to try to pay attention to his environment and survive in whatever way he can. And my point in a couple of lines is that one of the things some children do is just leave, so to speak mentally or emotionally, either fully dissociate or just stare off in space. And so I have the, the child uh, speak the words.
3: Problem is, when survival is about the only thing a kid can put his mind to, a kid becomes something different than she started out to be.
2: And my point is simply that given such either dissociation or tendency to withdraw, um, the child is both neurologically and affectively changed so that in the future, let's say, uh, there's sadness in the house. This child, instead of crying, may smash a toy or throw a tantrum or be angry at someone or may just go into a funny kind of withdrawal state, leading the grown-ups in the room, who may be crying at the moment about a sad thing, to say, geez, what's the matter with Ruthie? She's just staring. It mm-hmm. mm-hmm. has changed, and it may not be permanent. On the other hand, it may set up a pattern of affective responses to noise or chaos or hurting that really sticks for her
1: yeah i'm just um, I, I, I'm just reading again. a kid becomes something different than she started out to be it me I feel so sad reading it because it's like the the spirit the child is born with and the spontaneity the child is born with. Has to start to change in an adaptive way to survive, um, and like,
2: I love that you made you made sure to say in an adaptive way, because some listeners may think, oh, that's really creepy or that's that's not a good way to be. It doesn't matter whether it's a good way to be; it's the adaptive way to be. When you think of it from the child's point of view, how smart is it to always be fully present? For chaos, or sadness, or things that are, might go in some direction you can't predict or control, it would be much more adaptive to learn how to just go away.
1: Emotions. Yes, 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 absolutely. Mm-hmm. Then we go on to to another strategy for like the child may use uh, coming up here. On the next page.
2: So I have the boy reader, um, who has a little bit of a speech impediment, but I think everyone can understand him. He says, while we're on this list of ways children adapt.
3: Maybe I'll learn to do some shouting, Maybe even some hitting myself. So I don't have to always feel as if things are just happening to me.
1: Capital to me. yo. Yeah. Oh, I want to emphasize that.
2: I hope leaving no doubt in the listener's mind that that's a clever boy. This boy that we might later think bad of, badly of, because he's, a, he's an aggressive boy. But what a clever boy he is to try to escape being always a victim and being impotent by rising up into aggression so that now he's the doer instead of the one done to.
1: Gaining a feeling of at least some sort of efficacy and power.
2: Absolutely. And how, when looked at from the child's point of view, how dumb or maladaptive, we might say, would it be to fail to do that, to just lie there and take it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm
2: and by the way i only know this from psychotherapy with with perpetrators many men who have been raised that way and grow up to be uh very very upset by a passive woman and yet he may tend to pick a passive woman as a partner and when he gets mad at her and she withdraws or cowers or looks passive, of all things, it will enrage him further. Mm. And he becomes even more likely now to hit her.
1: Yeah, because it reminds him, perhaps, of of how much he hates that feeling?
2: Okay, absolutely. He hates it, and now he's come to judge it.
1: Yes. The other thing I'm thinking about those lines and what we're talking about, you know, every one who's ever worked in domestic violence, we now talk about intimate partner violence. What is the wheel that we talk about? The power and control wheel. And you can look, taking it all the way back to this and what we're talking about, a way to gain power and control. Those are the words that are are used to really describe where not where the behaviors come from what the perpetrators now doing yes but it's also where the behaviors come from if we look at it in this context it's very
2: difficult for many people to think about children as interested in power and control and they're they're not in the ways we usually think of but boy we can sure set up an environment in which that becomes a priority for them Mm-hmm. One of the other adaptive mechanisms I address, um, I'll just read because I don't have a, a child reading it in the script, but mm-hmm. the child who does not read it is still saying to us in, in the script, just because there's no war at the moment, it's just a lull. Don't get used to it and don't let down your guard. In other words, I'm suggesting that these children tend to become hyper-vigilant, hyper-attentive, and of course some, therefore, uh, hyperactive. Not all, and I'm not saying domestic violence produces hyperactivity. I'm just saying it's an adaptive thing to become extremely alert. And the child's way of teaching us about that is don't let down your guard. If things are peaceful, don't, don't get used to it. Don't lean into it.
1: And what that also means is don't relax, don't feel safe. Don't think for a minute you can enjoy this moment because you have to stay alert and that we, the children sacrifice other brain functioning and regulatory capacity of their brain in order to put the energy into that hypervigilance Yes. It's really a very sad thing, Michael.
2: Well, unless you're into celebrating adaptation, even when it's really a, a maladaptive adaptation, I always stand back in sort of not quite celebratory, but almost celebratory awe at the crazy things children do if I'm able to discover how adaptive that thing is.
1: I heard someone, and I think it was Bruce Perry, but I'm not sure. I heard one person, a speaker somewhere along the way, say there's no such thing as resilience, there's only adapting. Yeah. Um, And I suppose if you do celebrate how adaptive, brilliant, we are as human beings even as young children to survive our circumstances that is that is a way to look at it
2: so one last thing as i recall that i have the child teach us about the what this does over time she says um that maybe she'll just give up and while that sounds like a terrible reaction, a terrible adaptation, she says,
3: Because you know what? Giving up is actually like being in charge. You never expect anything to turn out good, and then things come out just like you said.
1: It is a way of being in charge. If you expect nothing, you can't be as disappointed, right?
0: Right.
2: So, uh, just one last little voice. Yes. the, The girl says,
3: See, I want to have a family, and it will occur to me one day that I don't.
2: And then the script reads, but the child does not speak these words. So I may just make one up in my head, or I'll make one of my own by getting pregnant real early or I'll join up with just about any group that will have me and promise to stand up for me. And even if they knock me around a little bit, it's okay, as long as I can still pretend I've got something. No better description of uh, why gangs work.
1: Yes, yes, I was just gonna say that. Um, That's what I always think about with this section. I'll join up with any group that'll have me and promise to stand up for me. Um, That completely changed how I looked at gang behavior. That, I mean, we will fight for you. We will risk our life for you. Um, You will belong here. I mean,
2: so even though we may treat you so horribly that any rational person would think they didn't belong here, but you'll put up with it and you'll like it. And then you'll convert that into you're still part of the game. Yes. So I felt a, an a unusual um, commission with this film that I didn't feel with the others um, that I couldn't end it without saying a couple of things about what We ought to do, and I decided to even make those come from the mouths of the children. Uh, So they're very, very simple and very straightforward. The child, the child begins introduces that section by saying, "So here's the deal," as if we're a bunch of morons, which we sort of are.
3: (laughs) So here's the deal. Domestic violence hurts kids, including babies, including babies that aren't even on the outside yet.
2: And then the script reads, "Jesus, this rocket science or what? And then we get into three main suggestions. The first is ask questions and that it's written in sort of a child's language, but I hope it doesn't feel unsophisticated to the uh, listener that the first suggestion is just ask questions. When pregnant ladies won't look you in the eye, ask questions. When pregnant ladies have weird injuries, ask questions. When they, you notice they don't get out much, Or when they get nervous because you ask too many questions. Or when their boyfriends act like they think they own them. Those are all cues to all of us in the audience who we remember are professionals. uh, from Everything from child welfare to the judiciary to treatment and rehab programs. Yes. These are the moments when you ask questions second thing the child teaches us is just wake up about babies. Read about what babies, including the ones that are still inside their mothers, know and see and experience and remember and think about this. When you wonder whether a a woman who is going to have a baby might be in a dangerous situation. In other words, even if you don't rise up to help her just because she's a woman in a dangerous situation. For goodness sakes, do it for the baby.
1: And I love how you keep repeatedly throughout the script bringing us back to babies that aren't born yet also.
2: Yes. And then finally the, the child teaches us the third tip she wishes we would take seriously. Watch how kids act. So she acknowledges that babies are not gonna walk up to you and tell you that one of their parents is pounding on the other one or that other terrifying stuff is going on in their house, but they will show you. So learn how they do that, she teaches us. Learn how babies show us what's going on at home. Pay attention to persistent sadness food refusal, food hoarding, baby anxiety. And then she says in parentheses, yeah, you heard me. In other words, for those who think baby anxiety, that's not possible. Babies who can't sleep, babies who show an unusual interest in strangers or who seem awfully afraid and pull way back from people and then she cautions us because I know audience members are going to react to this she cautions us
3: lots of things can cause little kids to act this way but don't overlook the possibility that bad stuff is going on in that home
1: I have to ask you too about this other next part where you say about the best thing in the world you could do though would be to get in, in your head Somewhere it can never slide out that babies matter whether they're inside babies or outside babies or even if they're really old babies, like one or two, they get hurt by domestic violence just as much as if it were actually their own heads getting knocked off. When you say somewhere in your head that it can never slide out... (laughs) You
2: know know what I'm meaning.
1: I want you to say what you're meaning.
2: I'm meaning, yeah, I know your defenses are arising. Yeah, I know this is a terrible burden for you to think about people that we usually can get away with not having to think about so much because they're kind of quiet and they're miserably inarticulate, we think. I know that's all really, really hard. So when I'm asking you to think about them, I've got to ask you to think about them in a way and with a part of your brain that you're not going to lose what you what you picked up on. And frankly, what I'm talking about is your right brain, mostly. In other words, your feeling self.
0: Mm-hmm. That,
2: you may not remember the concepts in this film, but you might remember the feeling you had while listening or watching it.
1: Oh, you will, Michael. You will remember, (laughs) you do remember. And there were a couple final lines I believe you were also gonna share.
2: Well, I decided to have this precious child um, just remind us before signing off.
3: Babies never forget, we just get bigger.
2: And then the child does not say, but the script shows. And I'm thinking you may not like how we take back what was taken from us twice over. And yeah, there is an implied threat in that.
1: It's chilling, Michael.
2: But I really mean to say, you know, you can get passive about this if you want, but you're not gonna like what happens if you do. Because we get big and then we get lots of things including we get mean, we get depressed, we get to be people that take an awful lot from the social welfare system. And you who might be against social welfare, you might want to think about creating more people who need it, Mm. stopping this stuff.
1: Yes. So, Michael, what was the reception of the video? What was some of the feedback you got when it was released?
2: There was an awful lot of um, interest in, if not almost preoccupation with, my including prenates here. Because I don't so much, at least not explicitly, in some of my other films. So, a lot of people remember it only as that uh, how things affect you before you're born movie. They don't even necessarily remember that it's about domestic violence. And I guess that's okay. Um, there was a very strong reaction from many people who, for whom this was kind of an infant mental health movie. That is to say, it sort of awakened them not to, to, to domestic violence per se, but it awakened them to the mental and affective life of young children and, and prenates. So it was more generic. And that's also not a bad outcome, I guess.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's been in pretty broad use. It did uh, grab the target audience. And uh, unlike some of the others that I targeted, uh, that uh, where it was not picked up by that audience, for example, divorce programs didn't pick up. The family transitions movie, uh, domestic violence programs did tend to pick this one up. Yes. Even though I tried to warn them, don't don't buy this if your purpose is mostly to show it to your moms or your your uh, victims.
1: Yes. Well, it's another amazing contribution in this series, Michael, and I've been able to To use it in working with particularly caseworkers uh, in the foster care system, and th- those who work in the courts, and those who just really were not getting the impact of this on the children, and it, it's been really, really helpful. And um, and I think all of your videos. Always also help us understand the grown ups better, who may often come from experiences like this. Particularly if we're we're working with folks in the child welfare system, um, and and so that's something I really really appreciate too. That it you know gives us more understanding and empathy for. What creates circumstances where you could harm your child?
2: I would be very pleased if that had been and continued to be an outcome. I have to admit, even even knowing what I know and having the experience I do, it's not uncommon for me to sit with a perpetrator and be enraged at him or sit with a survivor or a victim and be equally enraged at that person, wanting that person to stop picking guys like that, or get away from this person or stop being a patsy. And so these, I would hope that this film would do for others what it's done really for me, which is to let me sit with a a very mean guy and suddenly reframe him in my mind as a little boy watching his daddy knock his mom around. And he didn't know how to survive except to be a tough little boy and sidle up with his dad and maybe say things together like girls are dumb aren't they Um, and have that become really part of his growing development and personality Mm.
1: i think that's a a very good place for us to end and i want to thank you so much for another fascinating thought-provoking and helpful conversation and i'm looking forward to our next one my pleasure Goodbye for now.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Please follow our site, tkcchatik.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future episodes. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchatik.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.